tonight. So let's take our Bibles tonight and look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Tonight we're looking uh, in our series again about setting an example. Uh, and this week, uh, month, we come to uh, the word spirit in spirit. Let's begin reading uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. It reads, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity, till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, uh, to doctrine. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for all that's been done uh, to this point in the service, Lord. I pray uh, that you would help me as I preach. I pray that you would guide my mouth, guide my thoughts, Lord. I pray that you would use me to uh, share the truth uh, that you uh, would have me to share, Lord, tonight from your word. I uh, pray that you would work in hearts tonight, Lord, as they, as uh, we listen to your word. I uh, pray that you would help us to uh, be doers of the word, as James says, and help us to uh, be changed, Lord, after we uh, follow what your word says, Lord. And I pray you'd help me tonight, Lord. Uh, help those who are listening, Lord, to uh, receive your word. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So this, this, uh, this month, we come to the word in spirit, uh, the phrase in spirit, being an example uh, of the believers in spirit. Uh, I, what is this spirit that Paul is talking about? This, this study was a bit more of a, a difficult study for me since this word is used in so many different ways in our Bible. Uh, we have it in reference to the Holy Spirit, and that's often capitalized, not all, not all the time, but most of the time it's capitalized in our Bible. Uh, and then we have it in refer, uh, referring to uh, the spirit of man, and we have it referring to uh, other uh, ways we would use the word spirit. But in uh, our verse tonight, I believe this, the, the definition we see here uh, is the, def- the disposition or influence uh, which fills and governs the soul of anyone. Uh, the disposition or influence which fills and governs, governs the soul of anyone. And I think to illustrate uh, what exactly this word means, you could think of it like the sail of a sailboat. Uh, for the f- uh, last four or five years, I've been following uh, a series on YouTube uh, of an Englishman uh, who uh, is with his team in Washington State is trying to rebuild uh, a wooden sailing. Uh, it's called Tally Ho. Uh, this ship was originally built in 1910, and uh, this ship uh, they're trying to restore. Uh, it's a... This sailing yacht, its main form of propulsion uh, was using the wind uh, in its sails. Uh, The crew of this yacht would be able to direct uh, this yacht from where it is in Washington all the way back to England by uh, adjusting uh, the sails uh, in order to steer uh, the the yacht. Uh, We see uh, the Greek word used here in our passage is the word pneuma. Uh, it's a word that we often, uh, we have roots uh, or prefixes in our uh, English language, such as pneumatics or pneumonia. Uh, it just refers to the movement of air. Uh, and just like the air that's going to move this yacht one day once they get done building it, uh, it the, our spirit uh, is the force in our life that pushes us forward. It is uh, it's what moves us to action. Our spirit uh, it moves us to action. It, it's the spirit of man that moves him to uh, make uh, decisions, to, to take action on decisions. Our spirit uh, directs the course of our life often. Uh, 
Uh, it influences the decisions we make. Uh, it draws us to pursue certain things over other things. Uh, and so your spirit influences uh, the course of your life. Uh, the attitude or disposition that you hold in your life uh, will influence the course of your life. And so how's the wind in your sails? Uh, what is guiding you uh, to the right place? What is pushing you forward in life? And how is your spirit being exemplary? Uh, so tonight I want to look at uh, three qualities we should avoid uh, in our spirit and three we ought to emulate. And so number one, we see three qualities uh, to avoid in our spirit. Uh, we see letter A is a murmuring spirit, a murmuring spirit. Uh, we see in Philippians chapter 2, in uh, verse 14, it reads, Do all things without murmurings and disputing. So often, uh, we can go through our life uh, with a spirit that is murmuring. We're always complaining uh, about the things that have happened to us, the things that are happening in our life. Uh, we go through our life uh, complaining about the things that are out of our control, uh, the things that God has allowed to happen in our life, we complain and say, God, uh, you don't know what you're doing. You don't. Uh, we say that God uh, has no idea what he's doing, and yet uh, God is perfectly in control. We can trust him. Uh, we see in 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, use hospitality one to another without grudging or without complaining or murmuring. Our, our lives, uh, if we are to... Uh, be good examples in the Christian life and be hospitable one to another, uh, we ought not to complain. Well, I, I really don't like having so-and-so over. They always make my house a mess. They, uh, this and that. And uh, it's, it's such a, if we get so focused on complaining about what the negative things uh, in our life, it limits our ability to do what God wants us to do. Uh, complaining is just not a characteristic uh, that should be, identified in a Christian's life. And then we see a bitter and unforgiving spirit. A bitter, unforgiving spirit. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4 and verse 30. Let's go there. And it reads, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, and anger, and clamor, and evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Uh, do we grieve the Holy Spirit uh, when we are not forgiving uh, one another? Uh, we, are, we live our lives with a spirit that is bitter, a spirit that is unforgiving. We think, oh, so-and-so did that to me 10 years ago, and I am still upset about it. And we live with this bitterness in our life. Uh, when God has been uh, so gracious to us, so forgiving to us, God has forgiven us of a multitude of sins, uh, and he desires for us to just reciprocate for those who have sinned against us just a few times. Uh, an unforgiving spirit is often self-destructive. And uh, I have a, a quote here from uh, Corrie Ten Boom. It's, uh, she was a, a lady uh, who lived during the occupation of uh, the Netherlands in uh, the, the Second World War. And uh, her and her family uh, were responsible for saving the lives of many Jewish people and hiding them in their house. And she, she in a book, it, it talks about 
uh, a situation she had where she had to face uh, a decision whether to forgive or not. And she writes, it was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavyset man in a gray overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filling out the basement room where I had just spoken. It was 1947, and I'd come from Holland to, to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. And that's when I saw him working his way toward uh, forward against the others. One moment, I saw the overcoat and the brown hat. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic piles, uh, pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the room, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. Betsy and I had been arrested for concealing Jews in our home during the Nazi occupation of Holland. Uh, this man had been, uh, been a guard at Ravensbrück concentration camp uh, where we were sent. You mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. No, he did not remember me. I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. But since that time, he, uh, he went on, I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there. But I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Uh, Corey, his hand came out. Would you forgive me? And I stood there, I, I whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? I could not have been many seconds that he, could, that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it, I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that if we forgive those who have injured us, and the Bible says, if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. I, and, I, and still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. Oftentimes in our lives, there's people who have done unspeakable wrong against us. And God is calling to us to forgive those, to forgive those who have done wrong against us, to our brother and sister in Christ who has done wrong against us, to the lost person who has done wrong against us. And God is asking for us uh, not to... Uh, it's not that he wants us to uh, bring the feeling to it, uh, but that we know that we can forgive others. Uh, it's an act of the will. And that can, that can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. And God uh, will uh, change your heart uh, regardless of what you're feeling. Uh, we, can, we can forgive others for the things that they've done wrong to us uh, because God has forgiven us of so much. And oftentimes we live our lives with a bitter, unforgiving heart, a heart that uh, we don't uh, let go of those things. And oftentimes that destroys, uh, destroys us. It hurts us more than it hurts uh, the person we're not forgiving. 
I think of the illustration of uh, a monkey. Uh, they would set up traps uh, for a monkey. Uh, oftentimes, they take a coconut and put something inside of that coconut. And if the monkey were to reach into that coconut and try to pull out uh, whatever that, that treat was, uh, it would get their hands stuck and that they'd have that coconut fixed to something. And so that monkey would be stuck. And unless he let go of the thing that he wanted that was inside of there, uh, he could not leave. And so oftentimes, uh, that is how we treat our, our, the sins that have been committed against us, the things that people have trespassed against us. We hold on to them so much. And, and oftentimes, the, the, the hunters will come and find the monkeys and, and kill them and take them for, for food. And we would hold on, we hold on to uh, the things that people have done against us not realizing that it hurts us more uh, than it hurts them. And so, so spirit, uh, spirits we ought to avoid. Uh, we, we saw uh, a bitter, unforgiving spirit and also uh, a, a murmuring spirit. But then we see, thirdly, a fearful spirit. And we see in 2 Timothy chapter 1, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God wants us to trust him. And uh, I can, I can uh, echo the fact in New York, it was oftentimes I had uh, a lot of times where I faced fear. I had a spirit of fear. Uh, I had a spirit of fear where I was wondering, could these, would these people hurt me? Would these people uh, who do not want me in their neighborhoods, would they uh, try to harm me? Uh, my first summer there, one of, my, uh, uh, one of the guys that was with me on, the, on my team uh, was harassed by one of the Jewish people there, and uh, they pushed him over and took his, his packets. And I knew that was very possible, but I knew that if I lived my life that summer uh, bound in fear, if I lived my life that summer uh, just chained by fear, I wouldn't accomplish anything for God. Uh, I, I spent that summer battling with, I'm afraid of what might happen to me, but I also knew that God was sovereign, God is in control, God, God would take care of me, that whatever did happen, uh, we see Paul writes that it's for the furtherance of the gospel, the things that had fallen out to him, uh, that somehow God would use it uh, for good. I know that in Romans 8.28. Uh, but when we have a spirit of fear, we are saying that uh, God's not able to help us. We're saying that uh, his will uh, is not good, that he won't be able to work it out for good. Uh, and fear binds us. It, it's like a chain. It's, uh, it just holds us in that place. We will not let go of it. Uh, we, we think it's going to help us if we're afraid. Uh, it says in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25, uh, The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Oftentimes we take that, that chain of fear and we tie it uh, and try ourselves to it. And whenever we want to do something for God, we're afraid of man, and we try to go do something for God, and we get stuck. And we're, we're like, all right, I, I'll, I'll do this now for God, and then we get stuck because we're tied uh, with fear. We're chained by fear. It won't let us go forward. It won't let us uh, do what we ought to do for God when we're afraid of man. And so God does not desire for us to have uh, a spirit of fear. And so those three spirits uh, we ought to avoid, but what kind of spirits ought we to emulate in our life? What ought, what ought we to uh, seek to uh, 
emulate in our life. And I think, uh, number one, uh, we ought to have a fervent spirit. Uh, we ought to have uh, a, a spirit that is uh, full of zeal, that is uh, passionate, that is uh, desiring to do the work of the Lord the best we ought uh, that we know. Uh, we see in Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 10, Be kindly affectioned one to another, with brotherly love, and honor preferring one another. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And that word fervent is, 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 means having or displaying uh, passionate uh, intensity. Uh, it's something that we, we put all of our passion, it's intense. We, we serve the Lord fervently. We have a spirit that is fervent. We are uh, trying to serve the Lord uh, the best that we can with his help. Uh, and so we ought to have a fervent spirit. Our work ethic is a reflection uh, of our spirit. It's a reflection of our beliefs. And we ought to have, uh, be fervent, and we ought to be fervent in our spirit. Uh, there's, I remember in college and working in, uh, on the Blue Crew, the janitorial staff, I would, I would work with some people, and you could just tell they just weren't fervent in spirit. And you'd be trying to do the work, and when you're fervent in spirit and you're working with someone who's, they're cold as ice in spirit, it's just like, I, I want to get this work done for the Lord and, and oh, you're just, it just slows you down. Uh, we, I, would, I would, was working in the, the dining hall and, and cleaning the dining hall and you're trying to do your best to clean up all the food and, and get all the chairs straight. And someone comes in there with a, a not fervent spirit, they uh, they go, oh, that's all right. That can, that's fine. You don't need to do that. The tables don't need to be that straight. So it's, it's their work ethic was a reflection of their spirit. Their spirit was not uh, fervent, uh, desiring to uh, put their all in for the Lord. And then, secondly, I think that we ought to have a unified spirit. A unified spirit. In Philippians chapter one, let's look there. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27. We read, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. As a church, we ought to have a unified spirit. We ought to uh, be willing uh, to put aside our desires uh, and put uh, the de desire, the unity of the church uh, in priority. It is good for brethren to dwell together uh, in unity. Uh, and I think to to illustrate this, I, I think of oftentimes when my wife and I go out to eat, I ask her, what would you like to eat? Uh, and she would often say, ah, I'm not sure, I don't, I don't know. It's not that she doesn't, uh, she doesn't, uh, here's a, a help for newer married men, as far as I've learned. Uh, if she says, I don't know what to eat, it's not that she doesn't want to eat she, just, she doesn't care what she wants to eat. She wants to eat something. She just doesn't know which decision to make. And, uh, and so I've learned that. And oftentimes, uh, I really want to go to some place and have some sort of food. And she doesn't want to have that. She doesn't want to have a McDonald's burger every single time we go out. Uh, and I like that because it's nice and cheap. But we ought to have unity uh, 
is if we are to have unity, uh, sometimes we have to put aside our desires, my desire to be cheap, my desire to have something that's not very good for me. We often have to put aside our own personal desires, our own likes and preferences, uh, in order uh, to come to unity on something. And not to say that we ought to put aside doctrinal uh, things, things that are of importance in the, in the Word of God, but our little things, the little things that oh, I really like if we do it this way, and someone else is like, well, we've got to do it this way. This is how I think we should do it. If, if we come together and, and say in unity, we ought to, let's just, whatever gets, uh, gives the Lord the most glory, let's do that. Let's, let's work together as a church to have a unified spirit to say, your, your decision's better than mine. I, you, know, you must know better than me. Uh, and defer to others and be willing to uh, let others make the decision. And then last, I, I see that we should have a renewed spirit. Uh, and most, this is the most important thing. Uh, we cannot have a spirit that brings God glory unless we have a spirit that's been renewed by Christ. Uh, we cannot uh, bring God glory uh, unless we have trusted Jesus Christ, unless our spirit has been renewed. Uh, we see in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 22, that ye put off, the, put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt, according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man. Verse 24, and that ye put on the new man, uh, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Uh, we, we need to uh, renew the spirit of our mind. We ought uh, to be uh, renewed in our mind through God's word uh, as a Christian. And if we're not, uh, if you are not saved today, uh, you need to be renewed in the in your spirit. You need a new, uh, be reborn. You need to be uh, made new. Uh, we see in Second Corinthians chapter five. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And so we ought to be renewed in our spirit. We can do this by uh, reading his word. We can do this by uh, going to God in prayer and being faithful uh, to the preaching of God's word. We, we can be renewed in our spirit uh, day by day uh, by being faithful to doing what God wants us to do. And each day as we live our Christian life, we we have a choice to make. Do we choose to live the life that we used to live? Do we choose to put on the things that our old man did? Or do we choose to put on the new man and choose to uh, live the life uh, that God has for us rather than what we would desire? And so we should have an exemplary spirit. We ought to uh, honor the Lord uh, with our spirit. Is your spirit, uh, is it guiding you uh, toward uh, the things that God would have you uh, to do. Is, is, your, is the wind in your sails, is it pushing you towards the right destination? Or is your spirit, you live a life that oh, you're always bitter about things, you're always uh, just complaining about what's happening, and, and your, your life is so focused on self, and your, your, your spirit is so, uh, I'm not sure the word, but your, your spirit has such a uh, quality to it that it, it just your, your focus is not on the things of God. It's, it's, just, it's putting you towards uh, and sending you towards what you, what you shouldn't be going to. Uh, is your spirit, uh, 
Is the wind in your sails pushing you towards uh, what God would have you to do? Would you, do you have the spirit, uh, a spirit that God would be honored by? And so I would ask uh, us to stand and we'll pray and we'll have the uh, instrument, uh, the pianist come and uh, have our time of invitation. Let's pray. Father, I, I thank you for uh, your help and your, your, uh, tonight, Lord. I pray that you would uh, just help us to uh, have a spirit that is, is exemplary, that we would honor you uh, by the spirit that we have. I think of uh, in the book of Acts how uh, they were not able to resist the spirit that Stephen spoke by. Uh, that spirit has that Stephen has such a spirit that uh, they heard the gospel. They just they couldn't resist the things that Stephen was saying. And Lord, I pray you would help us. Lord, have such a spirit that it would bring uh, bring you honor. That people would see uh, you through us, Lord. And I pray uh, you'd help us with this uh, this week, Lord. I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you can take your hymn books and turn to hymn number five forty one. Five, four, one, and we're going to sing one verse of Set My Soul Afire. Josh, you know, could I have you close in prayer? Father God, Lord, thank you, God, for this wonderful message, Lord, for today, Lord. Uh, I pray that uh, you bless us, Lord, and I pray that uh, you will uh, give us a privilege and a ministry, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen